Good morning, ladies. Did you get all that? Well, I welcome to Bridge Women this morning. We're so glad to see you all here today. You look beautiful. You look lovely. You look radiant. Don't you love the word radiant? I was reading in Psalm 34 this week, and actually it says, they looked to him and they were radiant. And I was thinking we meet together each week as women to look to him to seek him, to know him, and to grow closer to him each week. And you know when we do that, God sees us as radiant. So that word radiant means to shine, to beam, to sparkle, and to lighten. And so I can tell you this morning, you're radiant. Why don't you tell someone next to you, you're radiant? Yes. We are radiant because we are looking to him. Amen? Let's pray and we'll get started this morning. Father, we just thank you so much for just the opportunity to gather together as women who love you and want to grow closer to you each and every day. And we thank you for this study, God. We pray that you would continue to speak to each one of our hearts. I pray for anyone here who's had a busy, hectic morning, that you would just calm our hearts before you and that we can just hear your voice speak to us as only you can in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Well, like Pastor Ann just said, we're continuing in our series titled Freedom. And some of you may have a book and you're following along with the chapters, reading them, and there's some homework to do, and that's wonderful. Others may just be coming and listening in and making, maybe taking notes as we go. That's wonderful as well. Either way, God is going to speak to you. This series, I think, is a lesson that will touch each one of our hearts in one way or another if we're open to what God wants to do in our life. As I was looking into the, and considering the word freedom, you might find yourself here this morning in one of two camps. You might think, I know Jesus, I live in America, I'm free, everything's good, no problems here. But you might be surprised as you get into this study and God begins to uh, look deep within your heart at sometimes because we kind of shove things down or we bury things. And there's things in our life that we're not even aware of that God wants to deal with. Or you might be here this morning thinking, I am completely enslaved in my life by my past or by things going on right now, by my lifestyle, and I can tell you for sure God is going to have something for you in this study as well. So it's going to be good for each and every one of us. I've enjoyed it so much, and I'm looking forward to our weeks together. Um, the, dic the dictionary definition of freedom is the power to speak or to think without hindrances and without restraints. We know in contrast, the opposite of freedom is to be enslaved, imprisoned, captivity, or bondage. But the good news for us ladies is that Jesus came to set us free. And the Bible tells us in John 8:36 that if the Son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. He came not only to forgive our sins, but to set the captives free and to release those in bondage and oppression. So he's done his part. It's up to us to do our part. It's a choice we make each and every day to live in freedom or in captivity. And that's kind of what our book is going to be focusing on. Last week, Pastor Ann taught us what it looks like to live in the tree of knowledge and good and of good and evil. We found that it's not the greatest place to be. It brings separation, oftentimes worldliness, darkness, sin, and ungodliness. It can bring with it shame, guilt, and isolation. And you know, ladies, that's right where the enemy wants us to be, feeling shameful, guilty, and being isolated. It's his trap to keep us stuck right where we are in a world of blame and self-condemnation. It's the devil's way of holding us back and holding us down and making us feel useless and ineffective for the Lord. But the truth is, we don't have to stay in that place. We have the choice to walk in close relationship with God each and every day. With no blame shifting, no excuses, we all have the choice to make. Nobody can do that for you. It's between you and God. Jesus himself gave us the answer in John 8, 12, when he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. So today in chapter 3, we're going to look at the tree of life and its ability to set us free from wrong thinking about God and wrong thinking about ourselves as well. A few weeks ago, Pastor Ann also described the perfect, beautiful life that Adam and Eve had in the garden before the fall. It was a good life. It was a wonderful life. It was a blessed life. All their needs were met, and they had a beautiful, perfect relationship with God as well. But when sin entered in, all that changed, and that sin was passed down to us. But then... Through his death on the cross, Jesus redeemed us back from that curse and has supplied for us a new life in him. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. We now have a new life in him. And it's a good life. It's a full life. The Bible calls it an abundant, overflowing life that he has for us. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus himself said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to bring life and life abundantly. And that's where God wants us to live, here and now, in that abundant life that Jesus came to bring. He came to bring us back what was stolen from us in the fall. And that's that abundant life. On that note, we might ask ourselves, so why is it so many of us are living less than God's best in this world today? Why is it that we're allowing Satan to rob our joy and our peace day in and day out? And what steps can we take to live 
and to stay in that tree of life that God has provided. God desires for us to live a good life, but the enemy is always at work to stir things up and take that away from us. So as we look at the tree of life, let, let's uh, look at it like this. It can build our faith. It can retrain our thoughts, draw us closer to God, and it will help us learn to hear and follow God as well. Breaking those things down a bit, we know that we build our faith by reading and studying and learning the Bible. We've, we say that over and over again. Sometimes I feel like we repeat ourselves too much, but you can't say that enough because our walk with God is dependent on how much of the Word of God we get into us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us that all scripture is inspired by God to teach, rebuke, correct, and train us in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we all need to be filled with the word daily. The Bible goes on to say, I'm sure you've heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So it's good when you're reading, read it out loud if you can. If you memorize scriptures, memorize them and say them out loud. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've said before that God's word will protect us from danger and it's always what's best for us. Always, always what's best for us. But again, we need to retrain our thoughts to listen more to the word of God than the things of the world. When you do that, it's like magnifying the, wor the word and the things of life begin to shrink. We need to renew our mind to God's word and to God's way. Romans 12.2 instructs us not to conform to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you have little ones in your world, you might know what a transformer toy is. I have little boys, so I know that. Um, it can, it's this little toy that might look like a soldier or a man, and then you twist it all around, and then it looks like a vehicle or a tank or something like that. It doesn't look anything like it did before. And that's what God wants our mind to do. It needs to be turned around and changed to think God's way and not the world's way. It needs to be transformed. It can change our thought life from being proud and selfish and arrogant to humble and kind and loving. The, we read in the Bible that we will, if we live according to the sinful nature, we'll have our minds set on those things. But if we live according to the spirit, we'll have our minds set on those things. Again, it's a choice that we have to make to to daily center our thoughts on the word of God and retrain our thinking. Drawing closer to God is also a choice we make. James 4 tells us to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So we do this again by being in the word, by being in prayer, by fellowshipping with like-minded believers, encouraging each other on, inspiring each other in the ways of the Lord. And when we do that, it will help us learn to hear and follow his voice. In John 10, 
Jesus said, and I love this, he said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow after me. And you know, the safest place we can be in this world, ladies, is following closely after Jesus. So let's look at and examine some of the fruits and benefits that come our way living in the tree of life. Again, it results in a close fellowship with God. And John 17.3 tells us, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We, we learned in our chapter this week that the word know in that text is to recognize and understand and understand completely. It's a relationship. It's an intimate relationship. I grew up in a church where I learned a lot about God. My dad took us to church every single Sunday, and I learned about God. But I was never encouraged to have a personal working relationship with him in my life. So knowing about God and having that relationship with him are two completely different things. Most people know about God, but few have the intimate relationship that he desires them to have. Fellowship and time spent with God will strengthen that love relationship with him that he desires. We can't get to know someone if we don't spend time with them. Our relationship with God has to be cultivated, it has to be nurtured, and it will be strengthened the more time we spend with the Lord. Another fruit of living in the tree of life and fellowship with God is that it results in innocence. And when I first read that little chapter in the book, I thought, innocence, that's not a word we usually use to describe our relationship with God, and it's certainly not a word that the world uses to describe a strong and focused person. But as I continued to read... I realize that it's a quality that is actually very precious to God, and it's closely related to the word purity. Before the fall, Adam and Eve were completely innocent and unaware of sin or any reason to hide from God because they had no sin consciousness. They had that childlike innocence that is an amazing quality. Imagine if you can living a life of um, no hesitation, no shame, completely inhibited, no burdens. And as I was going over this study, and, and actually I was talking to my husband about this section, and I was just kind of going over it and saying, I'm not really sure how to convey what, how innocence really looks and what God wants from us. And as I was we were talking about that, my daughter sent an email to me, and she said, I want you to listen to this little audio tape for a minute. Our grandson, Elias, is five. He's in kindergarten, and he was home with the flu all week long last week. He was pretty sick. But his teacher sent a tape of the kids praying for him. And so... I'm going to ask Travis to play a little portion of that so you can hear what childlike innocence sounds like. You have to listen with your mommy ears because it sounds like baby talk a little bit. But listen up, and I think you'll be blessed. 
Travis, you can play that if you can. Elias. God, we ask for complete healing for this Elias. This is the teacher. And his body, Lord, everywhere, all over his body, we pray for 100% healing. No germs to command for Elias, that he is completely healed and whole. In Jesus' name, and that he can come to school soon because we miss him. So, God, I thank you for taking care of him. I thank you for giving him and his family and the doctor's wisdom to know what to do, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you're his physician, God, that you are powerful and that um, you overcome everything, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Who else would like to pray? Lord Jesus, just didn't everybody that he will hear you and the things you gave us was good and the fans will love you when you come in and they hug you soon and good in Jesus name amen. Thank you. Maybe you're prophesying that when he comes we're going to be able to hug him real tight. Yes. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. Your life can never be sick and the sickness can go away forever yes. and then never come back in the name amen okay. that being for Elias that if there's any more sickness in his body once he gets healed he, he would just take it out of him yes. and that uh, it will never happen to him ever again in Jesus name amen yes amen Thank you for life that he's completely healed with no sickness anymore that and that his parents will, will, will take care of him very well and that God will take care of him very well too. Amen. Yes. You know, that is the childlike spirit that God desires in each one of us. By the way, Elias is healed in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I listened to that tape over and over again, and I told Danny, I think I, my body is getting stronger as I listen to that too. <laughs> you know, that there was no hesitation. They weren't um, worried about elegant speech. They, they just were praying for their little friend to be well and come back to school again. And I know a lot of grown-ups that can't pray out loud like that or wouldn't pray out loud like that because they think we have to pray perfectly or be eloquent in our speech, and that's not true. God wants to hear from your heart what's going on in your heart. And those children just bless me so much. I've always been intrigued with the scripture in Matthew 10:16 that tells us to be shrewd as a snake, yet innocent as a dove. And I think I saw that a little bit in those children because they were innocent as doves, but they were bold to get up there and pray for their friend. They, they, weren't, um, they didn't hesitate or hold back, and I just love that. You know, Christ-likeness is not foolish. It's not naive. It's not simple-minded. On the contrary, it's wise, it's alert, it's aware, but at the same time, it's gentle and loving and kind. And that's the kind of spirit that God desires for each one of us. So let those little children be an example to us how to pray with that innocent, sweet spirit. Innocent will come as we begin to set our mind and our priorities on the things above and not so much on the things that are going on around us. 
the Bible tells us in Philippians to think on things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and of good report. Those are the kind of things that God wants our minds set on. Innocence, we read in our book, is also a, con a, con a conduit, I think I'm saying that right, or a channel or a pipeline for the power of God to flow. Innocence will keep our hearts and our minds pure and allow, allow God's power and spirit to flow through our lives. Innocence completely depends on God and will produce the fruit of the spirit in us and through us. Innocence also results in freedom and changes us and allows us to see the good in people and in situations. It helps us to forgive quickly and to not hold grudges. That's another beautiful quality in children. They ha they're very forgiving. If you come to them at the end of the day and say, I'm sorry, mommy's been grouchy today. Please forgive me. They're like, no problem. Hug, kiss, and move on. They don't hold grudges. They're very forgiving. And that's a good example for us as well. So we want to ask ourselves, do we feel innocent before God? And again, that's a question that only you can answer as you examine your own life. But we can do so as we fall more in love with Jesus, as we become more Christ-like each and every day, as we take on his beautiful nature. And when we do, people will notice, we will be blessed, and God will be pleased with our heart and our lifestyle. So as we sum these, these things up, we, can, uh, we were told in our chapter, how do we live in the tree of life? And I was asking myself, how do we live there and stay there? Remember, if you're a note taker, you might want to start now. These are steps to take to stay in the tree of life. Number one, again, we need to remember that our relationship with God is first, foremost, and essential for living in the tree of life. We need to open our hearts and receive God's love for each one of us. Romans 5.5 5 tells us that God has poured his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he has given us. That word pour actually means to gush out or spill over. That's how much love he has poured out into your heart. If for some reason you think, I've never really felt that kind of love for God, or I even feel unlovable in some way, I would encourage you to spend some quiet time with the Lord this week and ask him to show you how great and deep and high and wide his love is for you. If you do, you'll never be the same. And it's hard for us to really move forward in a st strong relationship with God without really realizing and recognizing a grasp of his perfect, unconditional love for us. That chapter in Romans 5 goes on to say that God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And you know, that's love, ladies. When you really stop and think about what he did for us, he sent his own son to die for us, not necessarily because we deserved it, 
but because he loves us. That's the kind of love God has for us. So we need to open our heart to that love. And when we do, it will gush out and spill over to everyone around us. That's the love God has for us. And nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Number two to living in the tree of life, we need to know who we are in the Lord. We need to know our true identity in God's sight. Not what your mom said you are or your friends say you are or people have called you in the past. Who does God say you are? And I could go on for an hour just on this topic alone, but I think it's so crucial for us to know who we are to the Lord. The Bible says we are heirs of God through Christ, that he is our father and that we are his precious daughters. It says we were chosen, adopted, and greatly loved and treasured by him. He sees us as righteous, radiant, and he calls us the apple of his eye. I can't even explain to you how precious you are to the Lord. We need to learn to stand firm and strong in that identity and all that Christ has given us. Number three is to recognize and determine where you're going to live, the tree of knowledge or the tree of life. That's a decision only you can make for yourself. I love when Pastor Ann said we often grab a vine and swing like Tarzan from one tree to the next, and I'll love God and follow him over here, but then I'll swing back and dabble in sin over here, and we just kind of go back and forth. In a sense, we become what the Bible calls tossed to and fro by the wind. In James, he calls that man double-minded or unstable in all they do. Time for us, many of us, to cut that vine down and decide where we're going to stay, where we're going to live, and allow your heart to follow after God. So much of what we've been learning through this study so far has a key word, and that's choice. It's a choice we make. It's up to us. God has given us the freedom to choose Me 30, 19, Moses challenged the Israelites to determine what path they would follow. One path led to life, and the other led to death. And he exhorted them, saying, Now choose life that you and your children may live. I think you'll agree with me that so much of our life is a result of the choices that we've made. Bad choices can lead to bad consequences. Godly choices can lead to blessings of the Lord. In many ways, it's up to us to determine the course of our life by the choices that we make. So let's choose life, ladies. It seems like a no-brainer to me. Why would we even want to dabble in the other tree? It didn't work so good for Adam and Eve, did it? So we don't even want to go there. Number four to stay in the tree of life, we need to ask the Lord to help us make life-giving decisions each and every day. We want that to become our lifestyle and our way of thinking, seeking God's ways for our life. Matthew 6.33 tells us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. 
I, I was with my little eight-year-old granddaughter, Isla, and I asked her what she wanted to be when she grew up. And without hesitation, she said, I want to be a soccer player, a disco dancer, and a pastor. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's like a well-rounded woman right there. I don't know where the disco dance came from because I didn't know people even knew about that. Her mom said it was some cartoon she had seen. Evidently, it intrigued her, but we'll be praying about that. We'll see who wins out there. We all make plans for our life, but we want God to be involved in each and every one of the decisions that we make. The Bible says if we ask God for wisdom, he will give it to us generously and liberally. So we don't want to step out into things without seeking God's direction and God's wisdom first. Remember, his plans are always what's best for us, and he desires that full, abundant life. So whether you're a mommy or a business owner or a teacher or a soccer player, disco dancer, or pastor... God's ways are always what's best for us. We want to follow his lead through life. Number five, we've talked about retraining and renewing our mind. But that is so important because it's been established that Satan is a liar and he wants to destroy our lives. And his tactics are the same today that they were in the garden with Eve. He wants you to doubt and to question God, and he uses foolish, deceptive antics and, and temptations. Remember when he tempted Jesus in the desert and Jesus used the word back on him? That's the kind of women we want to be as well. But the only thing that will help us recognize his counterfeit lies is to know and really know the truth of God's word. The world, our past experiences, our hurts can distort our view of the truth as we think we know it. We read in our book, we can't make the Bible line up with what we think is true, but we can align our thoughts with the truth of God's word. To do that, we have to consume the word, we have to ingest the word, and we have to make it a part of who we are. At our table last week, we talked about the difference between just knowing up here and allowing it to drop into your heart and making it your truth and your revelation for your life. Pastor Gary talked a few Sundays ago about the importance of meditating on the Word of God, mulling it over and over again until it gets in you and again is a part of who you are. The Bible tells us in Psalm 34 to taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the one who will trust in him. A daily dose of God's word will renew our mind, build our faith, and change our life all at the same time. But we have to read it, we have to ingest it, and we have to consume it. It's said that we make time for what's important to us. And I know that's true in my own life. I'm sure it is as yours as well. I know that many women struggle in the areas with their thoughts in fear, depression, and anxiety. The enemy might whisper to you, 
you'll never change. This is the way you've always been. There's no hope for you. But with everything that's in me, ladies, I want to tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not the truth. Don't believe that lie because God wants to set you free in those areas. Those kind of thoughts will hold you in bondage and captive and keep you from doing all that God wants you to do. There's always, always hope in the Lord Jesus, no matter what situation you're going through. The Bible tells us that we're to take our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. And, you know, God never asks us to do anything that he won't help us or equip us to do. So we can control our thoughts. We, the Bible hasn't given us a spirit. Our God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. So it is, it is possible to live there. God's given it to you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. We can control our thoughts. But know that you're not alone in your struggle. You're never alone. The Holy Spirit is not only with you, but he is in you to help you not only control your thoughts, but to help you live and stay in the tree of life. In Ephesians 4, Paul tells us to let the Holy Spirit renew your thoughts, your minds, and your attitudes, and to put on your new self that has been created in the very likeness of God. It's righteous and it's holy. In the Lord, we're no longer driven by our own desires and our own impulses and our own fears. The Holy Spirit gives us new direction, new attitude, and new mindset as we submit our life to him. So ladies, together, let's be women who determine to follow closely after God. And let's be women who devote ourselves completely to him and to his word. And let's be women who delight in his love and his goodness. And let's be women who display his beauty as we radiate, shine, and sparkle his marvelous light to the world around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Um, for your great love for us, Lord. We're ever so grateful that no matter what we're going through, you are there with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Thank you, God, for um, setting us free. Thank you for who the sun sets free is free indeed. And we're going to seek after that freedom that you have provided for us. And Lord, I pray for each lady here that God... We would just continue to grow and be shaped into the women you desire us to be as we surrender our lives completely to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, before we um, break off into our tables, I, just a couple announcements. First of all, if you're here this morning and you've never come into a relationship with God, you think all this Bible talk sounds good, but I don't really know the Lord. I've never really had a relationship with him. Every table has a table hostess at the table, and they would love to pray for you. We've all been there at one time in our life. So 
we're, we're really praying that our t- table time can be um, an open, transparent place where you can share your heart with each other and pray for each other. So please don't leave here without a relationship with God. Um, Secondly, our discussion time is a real important part of this study. We want you to feel comfortable. Pastor Ann has said this is a safe place. What is said here stays here. We're all going through something, so let's share with one another, encourage each other, pray for each other, and teach each other the freedom that we've been given in Christ. And also at your table, there, your hostess will pass out a sheet that really goes over the difference of the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So that's just kind of a handout that will help you. Also, if you pray, if you ask your um, table leader to pray with you to receive the Lord, we have a book that we can give you. She has it there with her that will help you get started walking with God and, and just be a really good tool to get you started. So God bless you, ladies. You are radiant. God bless you as you continue your journey in freedom through this series. Amen?